Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Tuesday. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. A great selection of pre-owned inventory if that's maybe where your budget sends you. And a great sales staff that either way, whatever you're looking for, a brand new car, a pre-owned vehicle, they're there for you, and they're not just there for the sale. And you have a service department that is there for the current vehicle, with the diagnostics, with the inspections, with all the routine maintenance, oil change, things like that. They got you covered. And it's all part of the Sunbury Motors guarantee. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Lots more to get into today. Pete Jensen from the NHL Network is back with us to recap the Stanley Cup Final, which, of course, was won by the Abs on Sunday night. And Neil Kulong is back, as he does every Tuesday. NFL, Steelers, as we await the... Beginning of training camp for the Steelers and the rest of the NFL at the end of July. And this just came down a little while ago. We talked about this, oh, it was a good couple weeks back, that the there were many different conferences across Division One that were getting rid of divisions and just going by straight conference play and determining your two teams in the championship game by winning percentage. Well, the ACC was one of them, and they made that official today. Starting in 2023, there will be one division. But here's where this gets a little wonky to me. Is there will each team in the ACC will have three primary opponents annually, and the other ten league teams will meet two times during a four-year cycle. So this is 2023 through 2026. And then, of course, the top two teams each year based on winning percentage, meet in the conference championship game in December. So, from the based on these primary opponents here, they pretty much make sense because it looks like they're geographical. So, for instance, Pitt has Boston College, Syracuse, and Virginia Tech as its primary opponents. Virginia has Louisville, UNC, Virginia Tech. So that that kind of makes sense. 
if if you're going to go this route. But I still think this is extremely dumb because you if you're if you have a team playing three primary divisions, think or three three primary opponents. Think back to how things were run during the height of the pandemic. You played a certain amount of teams. That was like your division, quote-unquote. And you went from there. Well, that's kind of what we're going back to here. So, really, we're not really getting rid of any divisions in a sense. Everyone's going to play in one conference. There's not going to be any divisions, but you might as well have kept them at the rate this is going because you're going to play the same three teams for four seasons and then you're just going to play different conference opponents throughout the next throughout these next four years that's kind of the way it's been almost with a couple of twists so I really just don't get the approach here and even back to when we first talked about this with other conferences in Division One that were starting to get rid of these, get rid of divisions and just stick with conference play, one division. I, I think that takes a sense of the importance of winning your division to get to the conference game, the conference title game. I, I don't like that. It's just based off winning percentage. So I, 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 I don't like where this is going. I know a lot more conferences are doing this, Steve, but I, I think this is a really dumb setup for the ACC. <laughs> the ACC is... Uh, they've got, they're struggling, and it's an uphill climb for them, to be honest with you. They're, they can't keep up with... Financially, they can't keep up with anybody. It's not Jim Phillips' fault. Jim Phillips inherited this TV contract. So they've got to come up with ways to make themselves interesting. But they, the ACC has nowhere to go right now. And on the financial part, because their TV deal is locked into 2036. You still have 14 more seasons under this TV deal. That brings with it gradual increases nothing dramatic uh, when the Big Ten is done with its TV deal the Big Ten and the SEC will have such financial separation from everybody else it is going to be stunning and that's the bigger issue than what the ACC is doing with its schedule. All these conferences have become too big, which means that they now have issues they have to deal with because of size. I mean, look, the Big Ten, the right number to me to really be able to run a conference, feel like there's a conference feel to it, you're playing everybody over a period of time is 12. 12 works. Nice number. Works. I mean, say you wanted to play nine nine conference games in football. You wanted to stay with divisions. Well, you're playing five on your side and four on the other side. 
Well, guess what? In a four-year period, you can play everybody. Now you feel like you're in a conference instead of instead of picking and choosing games. I mean, do you know how many times Penn State has played at Nebraska since Nebraska joined the conference ten years ago? Twice. Really? Twice? Do you realize Indiana? finally played a game at Minnesota in their brand new stadium for the first time since they built the place, like, I don't know, it was like three years ago. They built the place back in 2011, 2010. Indiana had not played a game there. This is the kind, this is, you're supposed to be in a conference. Okay? You're not supposed to be in a league. Okay? This isn't the NFL where, out of nowhere, oh, good, the Eagles finally get a chance to play against the Rams at home. Or or let's make it even more extreme. The Eagles finally got a chance to play the Chiefs at home last year. When's the last time they played the Chiefs at home? Well, they're in two different conferences, but it's it's professional. And it, this what they're doing with this stuff is not promoting conference play. There's no conference feel to it anymore except in name only. And it's happening everywhere. It's, you know, I mean, for goodness sakes, I mean, what are they going to do in the SEC with scheduling? I mean, Alabama's already not playing a bunch of teams to begin with anyway. What, every once in a while? It's like, hey, every once in a while, hey, good news, Alabama's going to play Florida. Ooh, really? I mean, Georgia, Texas A&M's going into its 10th season in the SEC. 10th season for Texas A&M. They've never hosted Georgia. Tenth season. Never had Georgia at home. That's a conference? Really? That's not how it's supposed to work. At least to me. So it's happening everywhere, man. Oh, yeah, it has been. It's happening everywhere. I mean, you've had to sacrifice rivalries, you know, to do some of these things. Which has also been extremely dumb. But but see what happens. People refuse to play people. Texas A&M and Texas refuse to play each other. Okay. You know, uh, Missouri and uh, Kansas in basketball refuse to play each other. You know, Penn State Pitt have hardly played each other over the years. But that's you know, we're making progress. Not everything that's not always progress. It's not always progress. And the other yeah, thing think... the ACC failed to mention when they announced this today is how what the criteria they used to create these three primary opponents for each team. To me, it just looks like it was based on geographics because it basically make, makes sense for every team. But still, I'd at least like to know that. All right, so let's well, let's just take a quick look. I wasn't going to get into this today, but okay, we'll, we'll get into it since, you know, obviously you've got a spur in your saddle. Uh 
Boston College, Miami, Pitt, Syracuse. Those are all former Big East teams. Okay? You okay with me so far? Yeah. Okay. Uh, North Carolina gets Duke, NC State, Virginia. Okay, so it's two teams next door to each other. NC State, Clemson, Duke, North Carolina. These are all these are all regional. Pitt is BC, Syracuse, Virginia Tech. Again, the old Big East thing. Uh, Syracuse, Boston College, Florida State, Pitt. Hmm. Uh, Virginia, Louisville, North Carolina. Let's see, Virginia Tech. Is yeah, Wake Forest says Duke. Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech. Some of this is being done by record, too. Duke and Wake Forest are neighbors and at the same time, record-wise, fall into the same category. How about that? Georgia Tech, same thing. Uh, Duke is going to be a team that North Carolina definitely is going to play NC State close. Virginia, okay, that's done by record as well. Some of this is done by record, Matt. Well, that, that that makes sense, and that's that's fine, but at least tell me that. It, it doesn't mention it at all in the press release from the conference today. No, I understand that, but, I mean, no, like I said, you don't have to be a Mensa candidate to look at it if you've followed sports for a long time. <laughs> no, I, I get it. You know, it's like, okay, okay, I see why they're doing it. Doesn't mean I agree with it. And they have to fit in Notre Dame, too. So you have to remember, Notre Dame, there's – Rotates in, you know. That's Notre right. Dame has to be fit in. You know, um, someday they'll play for us. Nah, actually they won't. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm glad, I'm glad you think so, but no. Uh, but that's the and the Big Ten probably. Is, you know, I I wouldn't doubt the Big Ten starts leaning toward that model too with the idea that can get what they think are the two best teams in the championship game. They haven't announced it yet, but I think there's a chance they could go in that direction. How about that? So. Let's see. Strength of schedule rankings. Maryland won. Well, if I had to play... Michigan and Penn State on the road and get Ohio State at home, I, too, would have a tough schedule. Ohio State, two. Rutgers, three. Northwestern, four. Indiana, five. Illinois. Penn State, seven. Okay. Michigan State, eight. Iowa, nine. Purdue. Michigan, 13. Nothing to fear in the non-conference. Three home games against Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. J.J. <laughs> McCarthy's going to get a lot of playing time. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Uh, season finale at Ohio State, but they get both Michigan State and Penn State at home with a buy-in-between. Uh, they go to Kinnick to play Iowa. They have home games in Nebraska and Illinois. Okay. Minnesota has the easiest schedule.
their 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 start is North New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and Colorado at home. Yikes. But drawing Michigan State and Penn State as road games from the East probably means winning the division is not a realistic goal. <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. Yeah, it's un- uh, you may see the Big Ten eventually go to a 3-5-5 as well. I've talked about the scheduling thing forever. I don't mind staying with divisions. Just rotate who you're playing on the other side. Well, I mean, you might as well make I mean, Iowa might as well be playing in the same division as Penn State. They play them every year. It's ridiculous. And I know why they did it. I, you know, I always know why they do things. Right? And I sit there and go, that's not a conference. Stop manipulating things. It's not a conference. Okay? You play who you play, everybody. Over five years, you should play everybody. It's not that difficult a concept. They try to overcomplicate and overthink things. Okay? Stop thinking you only hurt the ball club. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. out of auto repair. Because he just can't contain himself. Once again, I say I just can't ignore stupid. He wakes up every day angry. Angry. (laughs) Furious. Why? If people would stop doing stupid stuff, we won't have to worry about it. Well, you attend the staff meetings every week. (laughs) You are correct about that. Kind of goes against your statement. (laughs) Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in, in new inventory, all with great guarantees and warranties. 
Pre-owned inventory has the Sunbury Motors guarantee, which is critical to your buying experience. And a fabulous service department from inspections to routine, oil changes, and, of course, the difficult diagnostics. They handle handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Any other complaints? Because a lot of people, um, their listening enjoyment is around your misery. <laughs> well, my only other complaint was uh, Phil Nevin getting the bulk of the suspensions yesterday. Why? Why? Well, because it's he not, did. I mean, it wasn't his fault the Mariners threw out his best player because they can't stop him. Why should he get the 10 game suspension? Because he opened the game. The next day, with an opener deliberately, and the opener threw at Mariner pitchers. He's the one that dictated who pitched and what to do. I think both managers should have gotten ten games <laughs> if you're going to go that route. Now, I'm telling you, he opened the game with an opener that was not scheduled to pitch. See, that's the issue. He opened the game with an opener that was not scheduled to pitch. And that guy threw it two guys. That's why he got 10 games. You talk about the unwritten rules of baseball, Phil Nevin is the definition of somebody who has a depth of belief in that. He's old school. I know he's a former Yankee third base coach, so there's a you know sense of loyalty you know there for you. I understand. Oh, I could care less about that. No, I mean I understand how it goes. Yeah, I understand. No, but that's why that's why Matt he got the bigger suspension because it is perceived that he did something deliberate to open the game in that way and deliberately sent somebody out there. Uh, it, the perception is, here's the perception. The perception is, I've got a guy on the hockey team that all he does is mix it up, and I've sent him out on the ice deliberately to go after that guy right there and start a fight. That's the perception of what they think he did. How about that? That makes sense. Hey, that's the perception. I, I, right. I'm not saying he did that, but he used a guy that was not scheduled to pitch to pitch that inning. Like, what? Why is he starting? That, that was like the base. Like, okay, why is he starting? I don't get this. Because the starter was scheduled to start, then came in the second inning. Well, okay, really? <laughs> okay. That's the perception as to why I get 10. We're going to talk to Pete Jensen here in a moment. Uh, I'm going to get to eventually on the show, once Matt lets me, uh, to uh, talk about the reseat in the Jordan Center for basketball. 
uh, it to me it's 20 years overdue uh, but for anybody out there who is being reseated um, because the students are being moved I completely understand your argument and I completely understand how you feel for the betterment of the program moving forward the perception of the program moving forward this is the best move I'll explain why coming up uh, but first let's get to hockey since I made a hockey reference and bring back uh, Bonjour Pierre P. Jensen I appreciate you having me on and uh, we're going to have a big off season in the NHL for sure and it's going to start right up uh, next week with the draft and free agency and things like that but great to be on with you Steve it was a great Stanley Cup final and yeah, maybe there was a little dent in it, but I, I think they'll uh, they'll patch it up for sure. And, it's not the and, first time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the. I remember, I remember when Fatisov was playing for Detroit, uh-huh. and they won the Stanley Cup. So you know, and he was the first one that led the parade of Russians coming to play in North America. And he, he went up to Batman and he said, well, you know, we all get to take it. I want to take it to Russia. And Batman's like, geez, I don't know. I mean, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> it's like, come on. He had to fight him on it. Uh, so it's been left on the side of the road. It's been in swimming pools. Okay, it's got a dent. All right. So Colorado was very patient with this rebuild. From 48 points in Jared Bednar's first season to now, and four second-round eliminations? Does that sound right, Pete? Right. Uh, uh, definitely the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, they really, uh, they've been favored to win the Cup for a few years now running. Uh, they were the best team all year, last year and this year. Last year, they ran into the problem in the second round against the Golden Knights, who yeah. proved that they were the better team at the time. But I guess they didn't have to play Vegas this year because Vegas missed the playoffs. They had so many injuries, and now... Yeah, Colorado deserved champions for sure. So they've patiently gone through this rebuild, but the rebuild has been based a lot on speed. Uh, is it right. uh, there's a, there's a limited amount of speed out there? But is it something that in leagues are copycat? Can you see more teams doing whatever they can to try and duplicate that in their own system of more speed? I think it has to be done uh, within reason, for sure. I think a team like Edmonton has a lot of speed, but certainly didn't have anything remotely close to the defense that the Avalanche have. And you could say, you know, Colorado won the Cup this year with about 900 save percentage goaltending, which is pretty mediocre. But, I mean, the defense is strong around those guys. The part of the reason why the save percentage isn't that good is, like, they just don't face a ton of shots, and then you know, team finds a way on the power play or whatever to to get it by the goaltender and different situations throughout the game. But um, it, it kind of makes it difficult in a way for the goaltenders when they are only facing twenty to twenty-five shots in a game. Um, so anyway, yeah, I think that the in terms of copying this uh, this run and this uh, powerhouse that the Avalanche have become. Certainly it's centered around the two speedy players, uh, McKinnon and McCarr, 
Makar has pretty much won every trophy imaginable other than the Hart Trophy, pretty much everything else that he could have won. Hobie Baker, Calder Trophy for top rookie. You know, of course, Con Smythe this year, Stanley Cup. Um, maybe he'll win the Hart Trophy down the line. Maybe he'll score 100 points as a defenseman, which hasn't been done in ages. But clearly you have two superior talents in McKinnon and McCarr and then built around them. It was honestly a series of trades throughout the years. The Devon Taves trade, the Nazem Kadri mm-hmm. trade, the Darcy Kemper trade, the Arturi Lekkinen trade. Right? There, there have been like so many trades. And Joe Sackick is the mastermind behind it all, you know. No question. Uh, but that's how you have to do You have to draft well, and then you also have to make deals. Uh, probably more deals maybe in the NHL than anywhere else to get a team like like Colorado put together. So now you uh, in free agency, long list of free agents are going to be out there. Who are some of the more coveted names that you're interested in saying, oh, gee, I wonder where they will land and how they'll fit? Well... In your neck of the woods right now, the Pittsburgh Penguins are kind of at a crossroads, right? It's been like three or four straight first-round exits. This year, the timing of the Crosby injury was not good at all for them. It turned the tide of the series against the Rangers, and now they have to figure out, you know, how are they going to bring back Latang and or Malkin, maybe both. They already signed Brian Rust, so we know he's coming back. And then the big, the biggest fish in the pond is Johnny Gaudreau from the Calgary Flames, yeah. who is just coming off like a borderline MVP season, and he's always been rumored, you know, to come back east. He's from New Jersey, around Philly, so a couple of teams in that whereabouts. Of course, he went to school in Massachusetts, so um, he's obviously rumored for a lot of teams on the East Coast, but obviously got very deep in the playoffs this year and um, you know I think maybe has some unfinished business with the Flames so I'm to answer your question I'm really curious to see where Johnny Hockey Johnny Gaudreau goes and then uh, the rest of the pool will come from there and Nazem Kadri by the way I mean he just had like the contract year of all contract years (laughs) like unbelievable breakout player in the regular season career highs across the board and then wins the cup scores coming back from injury scores the um, overtime winner in game four I mean that's ridiculous theater and Kadri deserves his payday now the Montreal Canadiens last won the Stanley Cup in 1993 in my lifetime growing up in the 60s 70s and then transitioning into the 80s and early 90s the Montreal Canadiens were always in the neighborhood of winning a Stanley Cup. Look, last, you know, last year, I don't know what last year was, okay? <laughs> but, to be, but to be honest with you, to me, I don't even look at last year as being realistic. They're going to get the first overall pick in the draft, which in my lifetime, I'd never, unless they traded for it, I never thought I'd ever see Montreal have the first overall pick in the draft. So where do they go with it? What are their choices? So they got two choices. You know, everybody's doing their final rankings uh, this week, and the draft is, of course, next week. I'm going to be there. It's my first time in Montreal. I'm excited for that. It's one of the best hockey markets uh, from everything I've heard and a great city. So, yeah, Montreal, it's kind of like you saw the highs, right, of going to the Cup Final. And then this past year, 
saw the lows. Now they're drafting first overall, and they were think, tied for the worst record in the league. So a uh, pretty bad season. I think you could trace it to uh, Carey Price, of course, you know, missed most of the season. He was injured, um, had some stuff off the ice to deal with. So um, hopefully he'll be back next year. And then they're going to be choosing most likely between two forwards, uh, Shane Wright from the OHL. He's a center. And Juraj Slavkovsky, um, he is uh, you know, from Slovakia, and he's a big body left winger. So he's six foot four. So I guess maybe they have to balance, I think, position of need versus, uh, you know, maybe the highest ceiling down the road. So, you know, from everything I've been hearing about this Slavkovsky kid, like he seems to be trending upward and maybe even could be taken first. But I do, I will say the Montreal Canadiens have needed a bona fide number one center for a long time. They tried a couple of years ago. They got um, Hokaniemi, mm-hmm. I think with the third pick and, ended up being kind of a bust now he plays for the Hurricanes so I think you know going with the top line center of this kid Shane Wright ends up being the real deal could really be a big thing for the franchise they have Nick Suzuki um, who's a really good player excelled last year for them in the playoffs and they have Cole Caulfield so if you have Suzuki and Shane Wright up the middle that is a recipe for success long-term, right? All these teams have had multiple good centers. Point and Stamkos for the Lightning, you know, Braden Shen and Ryan O'Reilly for the Blues, uh, McKinnon and Kadri for the Avalanche, Crosby and Malkin for the Penguins, the list goes on. So I feel like that's probably the right way to go for them. It's it's easy to get caught up in this hype leading up to the draft, like this Slavkovsky kid maybe has the highest ceiling, uh, but could be a project, right? So I, I think Shane Wright is a safer choice for Montreal at number one. And not only that, Shea Weber is now a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. So I mean, right. they, they have yeah, lost the contract. Right, right. they've lost a, a rudder on, on defense, and which means that yeah. they're having Subban, who may you know, they dealt, they sent him to Nashville, right? Yep. They've got Weber out of it. Now they even have Weber. Yeah, it's true. Uh, they do have Jeff Petrie, but he didn't have a very good season this past year um, after really being one of the top offensive defensemen the previous year. So it's kind of a tough situation. You know, they had their GM, Bergevin, for a long time, and they got rid of him last year. So it's kind of like a turning of the page for Montreal. But it all starts with the draft. Like you said, with Colorado, Joe Sackick stepped into the gig, and like a month later he got to draft uh, Nathan McKinnon right with the top pick. So, yeah, like it all starts there, and then you got to start to swing some moves. Luckily for Montreal, they do have that foundation, like with Caulfield and Suzuki, like I mentioned, and some of the old guard is still there, like guys like Brendan Gallagher and Petrie and Carey Price if he's healthy. We saw what Carey Price's ceiling was last year, right? Taking them all the way to the cup final yeah. when they were one of the worst teams in the whole playoff field. Yeah. Um, boy, they sure do miss Guy Lafleur. All right. So, <laughs> Pete, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time very much. Oh, anytime, Steve. Look forward to catching up with you maybe after free agency, right? We'll see where... Johnny Hockey goes and where some of these other guys, you know, we'll see. We could see it's not out of the realm of possibility. We could see like Patrick Kane get traded this Oof. summer. That's a real possibility. 
that would be something. But That'd hey, be... thanks for having me on. Steve. Hey, enjoy Montreal, by the way. Great, great city. So enjoy it. Thanks. Will do. I'm really excited about it. All right, Pete Jensen joining us from the NHL. Uh, hey, maybe Patrick Kane will go to Philadelphia. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Well, that's right. You have to be able to have players to offer them, right? And a competent front office to even think about trying to do something like that. Your hate kind of balances the show out, don't you think? <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> Neil Coolong in the next half hour. Great to have you with us as we have another fun day today on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. <laughs> on the show today. Are we done with the angry hour or is there more? <laughs> no, we're good now. I've you gotten sure? it all out I, of my system. I just, I just want to make, I feel like when the show's over, you're calmer <laughs> because I, I, you know, because it gives you an outlet. <laughs> I, I do feel better sometimes, yes depending on what said subject is that I'm angry about. I've kind of taken the same approach as Lisa. I don't really listen. <laughs> uh, so Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> Neil Kulong in the next half hour. Then we're going to talk about the receipt. And I want to talk about baseball attendance as well. I've gone through some of the attendance numbers. And in a sport that at one point had three teams averaging better than 40,000 a game, there's only one now, and that's the Dodgers. They're the only ones averaging over 40,000 three years ago. So, you know, you really have to take the pre-pandemic number and see how it plays out. But you look at Oakland, down 12,000 a game. Pittsburgh down 5,000 again. And they aren't the only ones. There are a bunch of others that fall into that category. The NFL has, uh, I'd say, five or six teams total that are in the no-hope category. And that's out of 32. The other 26 have some hope. Baseball has half the teams, nearly half, with no hope. And right now they have seven teams playing under 400 baseball out of 30. Not 32 out of 30. Seven are playing under 400. 